You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good afternoon. Right on, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North. With your hosts, David Hall. There has been a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded, or the execution of the closing on the land in Arlington Heights. And Dan Weeder. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast, or welcome back, I should say. I'm David Haw from the Mullion Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune. We are now within two weeks of training camp, and basically we are going to simply count down to camp. Not a whole lot going on, Dan. There are some little details to talk about, but this is the time of uh, the summer where you start getting a little closer, you start seeing little news trickle out, but no news typically is good news for NFL teams. Yeah, we're not quite on the jet bridge yet. We're not quite to the plane, but the gate agent is starting to alert everybody that boarding is going to start in about 10 minutes. And so (laughs) we're at that stage where you're getting out of your seat and you're kind of creeping up closer and closer, getting ready to board that plane. And it's going to be here before we know it. Um, It's going to be an exciting camp, to be honest with you, David. There's a lot that is uh, piquing people's interest. The curiosity about a lot of different topics on both sides of the ball for this team is certainly there. Um, And we'll be there really soon. You know, Tuesday in two weeks, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus will will meet the media on reporting day. You'd assume Justin Fields and several other players will do so as well. And it's different than it was back uh, when you first started covering the team and they were unpacking uh, TVs and pillows and mattresses and everything else down uh, in Bourbonnet. We're just now permanently at Hallis Hall, but still uh, an exciting time. The first training camp that I covered for the Bears was at Bourbonnet and Rex Grossman was a rookie. Yeah. And he was going to be the guy that was coming in to save the day. The first round draft pick, 22nd overall out of the University of Florida. Yep. Uh, sexy Rexy, if you will. That was before he was good back, good Rex, bad Rex. That was when he was hopeful Rex. I can remember that was the mentality. That was the, the kind of uh, getaway, the times when teams did that more often. Now it's more customary where they stay in their own facility and they 
they they keep their own company and then they kind of sleep in their own beds essentially so there's a little that a uh, little less of that camaraderie to be gained and that, and maybe from a media standpoint it's a, it's a lot different as well so I was a cub reporter at the Naperville Sun that year and and we didn't go to all the training camp but we'd pop in every every once in a while down there and I remember being there for Rex's first practice uh, and being part of the the scrum that that Rex talked to on his way off the field right I think he signed his contract like 15 minutes before practice started and and then went out there and slung it around and it was one of those momentous feelings like okay this is this is it here we are now 20 years later and we're we're still trying to, to figure right. there out was, there was a threat of a holdout if i recall yeah there yeah. was always that because those were before the contracts were fixed and i can remember going the back and forth between everybody and the and this was yeah this the, there was a lot of anticipation for his first practice believe it or not nobody was more into rex grossman at that time than i was and uh it didn't quite turn out the way that i i projected and maybe that's why i'm i'm so uh cautious with my quarterback analysis as, as we go go forth trying to uh, to figure out what the bears have now well there's no real contract drama to count down before camp begins in, in less than two weeks but there is potential contract news I think today there aren't many big headlines. I'm not sure how big this one is, but it is a headline. Jalen Johnson signs with an agent that was announced via Twitter earlier on Thursday. Jalen Johnson signs with the Family for Life agency. They proudly announced that on their Twitter feed. And I I think the significance is before we know much about the agency, it doesn't represent a lot of NFL players, but the fact that Jalen Johnson has a representation changes the equation slightly Dan I wonder just before we you know find out I know we neither one of us know that much about the agency itself but do you think that Jalen Johnson getting an agent two weeks before camp increases or decreases the chances of him signing a contract extension before the season I don't know where Ryan Poles is on all this and he's the guy that controls this it's it's really going to be interesting to know kind of how he wants to handle these extension talks you, you know we've talked previously that that of this class of 2020, the three guys that we talked the most about Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, you're going to be more hesitant with Darnell Mooney because you need to see what he looks like after having ankle surgery last year to figure out what you want to do with him. And so he's going to have to, to, to be on the field and, and show them some things before they start to open up those discussions with Komet and Johnson. I would think that those discussions would be happening. And then it's all a matter of how close they are, how far apart they are and what exactly they want to get done. That is kind of open for interpretation right now. And I think we need to hear a little bit more from Ryan Poles, maybe even on as early as reporting day in a couple of weeks to, to, to feel out, you know, GMs are typically very reserved in saying anything about contract negotiations, but we should, should be able to get an understanding of whether he's interested in getting that done before the regular season begins, because if you're going to do it, that's that window, right? From the time camp starts to the time you get to Labor Day, that there's that period to get those talks going. And with Jalen now having representation, that should open those lines of communication a little bit wider. I hope so. I, I hope that's the case because you could uh, spin it the other way as well. Is that now they uh, that he has representation? There's a number in his head or their head that they think they need to get to before they put him on the field to encounter any risk because. Let's face it, a guy entering the final year of his deal doesn't have the kind of security somebody who has a deal, you know, that, that is more provides more long-term security and permanence. But I'm not sure. And I think that would be kind of maybe baseless speculation, even though it is professional sports and we see that all the time. So I'm not quite sure. If I had to if I had to rank the Bears, the three that we mentioned and talk about a lot in terms of 
likelihood of getting a contract extension, it would be Cole Komet number one, probably Jalen Johnson number two now that he has counsel. And also, I think, uh, just because of his value to that defense. And then Darnell Mooney. And nothing yeah. because, of the, because of what he is as a player, but certainly you, you want to know where he is health-wise before you make that commitment. Yeah, I've got no problem with those rankings. That's kind of how I would slot it as well. Uh, I would actually be surprised if Komet doesn't have something locked in before they go to opening day. Um, and then the Johnson saga will be one worth keeping uh, tabs on through through the month of August. And and so it'll be fun to see if something gets done. You know, Jalen's a, 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 a very colorful guy, um, very candid guy, very well-respected by the, the media core uh, in that locker room. And now it's all about what, what do you see as your value? What does the team see as your value? And how... Uh, willing are you to compromise? And that, that, as we saw last summer, compromise is sometimes a very difficult thing. Before we move on from Jalen Johnson uh, topic, I, I'm just curious. You, you mentioned Cole Komet likely to get a deal. When you look ahead, and I know I'll probably change my mind on this, you know, 34 times before week one starts, but <laughs> will Cole Komet or Robert Tunyon have more catches in 2023? Yeah, Komet, I think will. Um, it may not be by a lot, but I think he'll, he'll probably still be the guy that – that is, is getting the bulk of those targets in the tight end room. Uh, you know, I, I played golf earlier today, David, out in uh, Wooddale with a couple of diehard Bear fans uh, that I just met out there at the course, Sal and Dan, and they were probing me. They were they were pumping me with questions, and one of the biggest ones they asked was kind of how that tight end room was going to shake out. Uh, and I said, look, like I think these two guys complement each other very well. I think Komet is uh, underrated in terms of his uh, contributions to the run game and what they think they can do off of that versatility-wise. And so uh, Sal and Dan are looking forward to, to, to seeing what happens with that one-two punch with, with Cole and, uh, and and Robert Tunyon, or Bobby, or so, Rob, whatever you want to call him. Bobby, yeah, Bobby T. Um, okay, wait a second. You were going golfing. And you intentionally played with two Bears fans? I just you randomly got, I, played with two Bears fans? Randomly. I went out by myself this morning out to, to Maple Meadow Golf Course and uh, just got paired up with a, a, a twosome on the cart. Uh, about the fifth hole, they asked me what I did for a living. I told them, and the, and the faucet was open for Bears conversation for a couple hours. Did they know your takes on Justin Fields? Did they know your takes on anybody else? They knew him by the end of the round. That's for sure. <laughs> we, we, went, we went position by position. It was like almost one position per hole for about seven holes there where we were kind of breaking it down. Uh, Sal, a big, big believer in Roshan Johnson, uh, a, a, a worrier about what they have in the defensive tackle room and how long it's going to take for those guys to become impact playmakers. So in case they do look me up and want to kind of follow my work, well, now yeah. now, now they know they're being talked about in the Take the North podcast. I'm sure they will. It's always a curiosity to me sometimes because, like, you, you, sit, you sit down on a plane, somebody sits next to you, maybe they ask you what you do for a living, maybe you tell them, or maybe they recognize you, maybe that you don't. It all depends. Do you really want to spend the next two and a half hours debating whether – you know, <laughs> Matt Eberflus was a good choice or not, and Justin Fields is going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback. But these are conversations that comes with the territory. It can be hard for me to conceal on planes home from road games sometimes because I'll have the game rewind on and be rewatching the previous day's game, and it's it's hard to to tell people either you're a sicko or you're covered the team. You know, like <laughs> there's only two reasons you'd be watching a Bears loss the day after on a plane ride home from or, where they played. Or uh, I, I know some people who might answer both. <laughs> Fair, enough. Right. Fair so, enough. Family for Life Agency is the new agent for Jalen Johnson. We'll see where this goes and how that affects any negotiations. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. The other headline is is one I think was made a lot of people smile. Um, Virginia McCaskey, the, the Bears pay, uh, matriarch and defensive tackle, former defensive tackle Steve McMichael, were among the 60 semifinalists for election in two different categories for the Hall of Fame's 2024 class that was announced on Wednesday afternoon. They were nominated by the Pro Football Hall of Fame's 12-person seniors committee. Mm-hmm. And McMichael was one of 31 semifinalists in that category for the seniors committee. And Virginia McCaskey was in the coach slash contributor uh, category, one of 29 semifinalists. So Mongo and Mrs. McCaskey now have an opportunity, along with 59 others, to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It's a feel-good moment, obviously, for two um, very well-regarded members of the Bears family. Uh, obviously, Virginia McCaskey celebrated her 100th birthday earlier this year and and, and has has meant a lot to this franchise, uh, you know, principal owner since 1983, if I'm not mistaken there. And then McMichael, you know, David, I, I got a chance in 2019, it was to spend a lot of time with him when I was working on a, a deep dive story as part of our Bears 100 uh, project and coverage and, and just really came to to respect, the, you know, if you had told 10 year old me that I was going to have a, a connection with Steve McMichael in the way that we developed one, um, you know, you, you kind of learned more about why he was so well regarded by that 1985 defense and that group that that stuck together, obviously, for for a, a while there. And it was just his his, you know, he's known for the boisterous personality and the big personality and, and goes on to the, the, the pro wrestling stage. But those guys knew how hard he worked. They knew how hard he grinded. They knew how much he pushed others around him to be better. And to see him get this recognition, particularly in light of what he's dealt with now with this with this re- ongoing battle nasty battle with ALS. It's just, it, it, it warmed my heart yesterday to see that release come across from the pro football hall of fame. And I'm hopeful that the senior committee has a, a very long and serious discussion about that. Um, you know, Steve had told me in 2019 that the hall of fame didn't mean anything to him. He said, I know who I am and I know what I accomplished brother, but I know deep down that, 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 that recognition and, and being given entry into that hall would, would be a, a true honor for him. No doubt about it. And just to, to, to complete the loop on the Bears' uh, connections to this group of semifinalists, Clark Shaughnessy, the longtime defensive coordinator from 1951 to 1962, was also among the group. He was also the head coach of the University of Chicago from 33 to 39 and got to know George Hallis that way and became a consultant for the team in 1937. And, and then um, he um, moved on 
to coach with the Bears. So Clark Shaughnessy, C. McMichael, and Virginia McCaskey. You know, I think that's well put, Dan, in terms of Mongo and why I think he there's an emotional attachment that a lot of Bears fans feel, especially since the diagnosis in April 2021 of ALS, because he's been he's been out there with fundraisers. He's been out there with people reaching out to try to you know, help the cause. And, and I think that that's why I think it resonates with people who are now, they want so badly to have something good happen for this, this bear who was the epitome of everything you wanted a bear to be. That won't, that, and I know that won't, but it shouldn't overlook the fact he has hall of fame player credentials. No doubt. That are legitimate. And, and he is a guy that 92 and a half career sacks, 12 force fumbles. He played in 191 games before he finished his career with the Packers, but 191 games with the Bears, that's the kind of durability and longevity that I think you often see rewarded because he was so good and played at such a high level with the kind of legacy that a Hall of Fame induction brings. Well, I'm glad you brought up that number because to me that's, if not the most impressive, one of the most impressive numbers attached to Steve McMichael because it was not only 191 games, it was 191 games in a row at that position right, right. in that era, right? And that doesn't even take into account the 12 playoff games during that span. So that's 203 games that Steve McMichael played without missing one. And he would tell you that that, 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 that adrenaline rush got him through pain and discomfort and agony that a lot of guys nowadays would sit out a month for, you know? And that that's just kind of the warrior he was and he understood what he meant to that group and what they meant to him. And he wasn't going to sacrifice a single game day uh, if he had any say in it. That's why if I'm one of those electors and I'm, I'm making a, uh, a vote and I'm looking at the list of names and you could make a case, obviously, clearly for all of them. I'm having a hard time moving on from Steve McMichaels because of the football reasons that were already somewhat legitimate and could be argued and have been. But I think the, the fact that how he has just epitomized the courage he played with throughout this battle with ALS I really hope it happens for Mongo. I really hope that this is, you know, the exclamation point at the end of, of a great career and it gives him something to smile about. And, and I said this on, on the Mullen Haw show on, on Thursday morning, without any disrespect, I could see the argument being made for Steve McMichael, probably a little stronger than Virginia McCaskey and taking nothing away from what she has meant to the NFL, what she has meant to female executives and what she's meant to the Chicago Bears. I just think that you could almost uh, – you could make a strong case for Virginia McCaskey. I think you could make a passionate case for Steve McMichael. I hope the case is made for both of them successfully. But if I had to put one a little bit over the other right now, I would think maybe Mongo could have a better shot. Dan, Dan, Dan Pompey, we talked to on the score on Thursday morning, he was very respectful of both people's – both of their candidacies. We'll just have to wait and see what's next. Yeah, I'm with you there. One of my, my favorite Mongo quotes of all time is, if you think I'm something special, I'm happy to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we do think Steve's a little something special, and so hopefully he gets his due in Canton. Yeah, that would be terrific. That would be a great off-season story and, and good news for everyone. Um, also, related to some of the headlines that, that happened in the summer, we're within two weeks of Bears training camp. Some teams report next week, the Jets are one of them, and they will do so in front of the HBO cameras, hard knocks <laughs> hits New York. And I ask you this, Dan, could they possibly, we know the hard knocks bounce. We know about how 
you, you kind of they, they attracts the casual sports fan. It attracts people that aren't necessarily the diehard Sunday afternoon uh, football fan. Could hard knocks make Aaron Rodgers more likable? Yeah, for sure it could if if they, if they make the effort. I like Aaron Rodgers when he's not talking about wacko conspiracy theories and when he is talking about football is, is engaging and, and fun to listen to as, as anybody I've been around in this league. I, I love post game and having opportunities to ask him about plays and listening to him, you know, detail them to the, 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 the smallest next to know the way he used to be the first yeah. decade of his career. Yeah. And, and, and so look like inject this into my veins. Like, let me know, you know, when, when the, the premiere is, let me know uh, what I have to do to set my HBO max or whatever it is now that I need to get the, the hard knocks on because I will watch. Um, and I'll be very intrigued to see kind of how they handle the Rogers storyline. I think it's one of the most compelling storylines in the NFL this year, because I don't know um, that Aaron is fully ready for the wrestling match, I guess the arm wrestling match that will go on with the New York media in 2023. And it's going to be fascinating. It is. There are some bumps in the road. You know, the, the, the folks in New York aren't going to sit and, and, and take the R E L A X uh, lightly. You know, they're going to say, no, we're not relaxed. And we're going to ask you some more questions. And, and then there, there's the chance for, for, for friction that, that really disrupts Aaron's entire way of going about things. It'll all sort of start to be, seen and illuminated under these hard knocks cameras uh, at training camp. And I, I, I want to, I want a seat to this. I want a front row seat. And, and thanks, thankfully uh, HBO will give that to us. Sauce Gardner is another compelling figure. Robert Sala is an interesting guy. There's going to be somebody Heck, that emerges. Nathaniel Hackett, right? I mean, you talk yeah, about a guy yeah. who, who's, whose roller coaster ride the last couple seasons has been as jarring as anybody's. That, that's going to be another one to, to keep an eye on. So the New York media now includes HBO or at least the scrutiny that we can point to when you always say well things change when you have that kind of glare in in you're in the spotlight i asked two two things that i, I want to know what you think of number one do you think that this somehow could affect their readiness for this season because of the element of distraction and secondly do you think that is there's any way and this might be a little bit of a stretch but dalvin cook still out there deandre hopkins still out there does any of this matter to guys like that when they're deciding on what team to choose because they're still waiting which team to choose and those two guys are the kind of talents that for the right offense in the right situation could tip the scales and be the difference between 10 and 7 and 7 and 7 and 10 or 8 and 9. Yeah, I think those guys have better ways of getting their intel and, and are certainly connected in the, the player fraternity to, to be able to get some information that helps them understand where they might want to go, where they might not want to. I've seen a lot of buzz about DeAndre Hopkins going to Kansas City and you, you, you kind of sit back in your chair and go, boy, does, does Patrick Mahomes really need another weapon? You know, and, and if he gets it, look out. Um, you know, but it, it'll be interesting. I mean, your, your first question was, could this affect their readiness for the season? Absolutely. It always can. And it's all about kind of the infrastructure and the guardrails you put up um, as a, as an organization to make sure that when you're on one of these rides, you don't get bumped around and, and knocked off course because it is difficult. Any training camp in general is difficult to navigate uh, just mentally. And, and, and then you add some of this in there and you just have to, to have some people in charge that, that steady the whole thing out. It'll be fascinating to watch. Less than two weeks away, the Bears will report to Hallis Hall to begin practice and get back on the field. It, it seems that when they do that, Darnell Mooney 
pledges to be one of those guys ready to go. We saw him talk to WGN's Caitlin Sharkey. Yep. He sounded like at, a, at one of his uh, summer camps that he was going to be ready. He, he said things to that effect. Dan, he also looked like a bodybuilder in terms of his upper body. The difference is stark and, and impossible to ignore. He looks like he's jacked. I don't know what that means about his rehab with his leg because right. that's the injury that kept him off the field. But Darnell Mooney, harder to bring down. We know <laughs> what he can do when he's in the catch radius. We know what kind of hands he has and what kind of routes he runs. What are your expectations, and did you see – that report and did it change your mind at all or affect you? No, I, I really I want to see this with my own eyes and and he'll have his opportunity very quickly to to show us in, in front of us kind of how he's moving around. It's clear that um, Darnell's always been one of the hardest workers on the team, and it's clear that he put that work and that fuel towards getting stronger in his upper body. Now, don't forget leg day, right? Obviously, he couldn't do a lot on his legs for a long time because of the ankle injury and the surgery that he had, uh, the tightrope surgery to get that repaired and have some screws injected in there, put in there, injected, not really injected, inserted. Um, and so now it's all about, you know, does this does this change his quickness at all? Does it change his agility and the things that made him special with his feet and his legs? Um, it's going to be interesting to talk to him for the first time about how much bigger he is up top because it is, it is, you know, visibly noticeable. And, and it, it kind of, like you said, it kind of makes you take a step back when you, when you look at the pictures of him, I don't know how much that helps him as a receiver. Um, but well, it's got to though, doesn't it? I mean, it's got to, I, I look at that as like, I, he's not a starting pitcher in baseball, like Lucas Giolito for the White Sox. When he came back last season, all jacked up and all weight gained all that weight. It was like, eh, I don't know. That's not a good idea. But for a whiteout, don't you want to – you're going to be able to separate. You're going to be more durable. You're going to be able to – the yak. There's more yak, Dan, when you're – look, when, you, when you're jacked, you get yak. Well, like I say, don't forget about leg day <laughs> because a lot <laughs> a lot of the stuff from the legs down is, is what helps That's you true. to break tackles and, and move around and get that separation. Um, look, like, you know, as of now, I would certainly think that there's conversations being had between Ryan Poles and his staff on, on whether they want to take the cautious route and start Mooney on the PUP list, which is really just a, a, a safeguarded way of being like, if there's any sort of setback in those first couple of days that, you know, we don't have to waste a roster spot when, when, when things come around, if we have to move them around. Um, but look like we'll all, we'll know all that in two weeks. The, the first practice is now less than two weeks away. And, and again, the beautiful thing is when you get to put your own eyes on things and you don't have to just listen to uh, interviews and reports uh, that tell you how a guy's doing, you get to see it with your own eyes. I might be going out on the limb here, but I think when Darnell Mooney finally does get in front of the cameras, the assembled media at Bears training camp, I think people will look at him and he'll kind of smile and maybe even flex. And he'll say, <laughs> I am reporting here in the best shape of my life. Before we get out of here, I think it, uh, it it's interesting. I want to get your perspective on what has been uh, the dominant story in Chicago this week in a national story in, in all the sports, uh, the hazing scandal at Northwestern University and how it resulted in uh, a seventh-month, six-month investigation and it ended up with the firing of Pat Fitzgerald. Pat Fitzgerald is somebody who the Bears flirted with. There were different times during openings over the years where he was speculated to be a candidate for the Bears' head coaching job, and, and now he's unemployed. So before we don't want to get too far into the weeds, I've been spending enough time writing and talking about this all week as, as it is, Dan. But I think from a Bears perspective, just curious, in an NFL 
point of view, when you see what's happened and how it's unfolded, there's a difference between hazing rituals or rites of passage. What I almost stopped short of referring it Northwestern hazing because it went beyond the and crossed the line badly into abuse and borderline criminal behavior. But allegedly, I wonder. Would an NFL team have any reservations about adding Pat Fitzgerald to its coaching staff? My answer to that quickly would be no. Um, I, I think that it's a, a different storyline. I think when you talk about Pat Fitzgerald, the football coach, he's very well regarded. He's very well respected. People know kind of what he's been about during his entire time as an assistant. And then obviously the last almost two decades as the head coach at Northwestern. And so there is plenty to drawn and and tap into in terms of Pat Fitzgerald, the football coach. He, he'll probably have to take the 2023 season off and then figure out what it looks like for him going forward. I think, obviously, you've said it. You've spent most of this week talking about this story. And I do think it's easy to feel conflicted. And I think sometimes we don't allow for conflicted feelings um, the way that we should, right? Like it's easy to, to understand that, that, that some of the things that went on within the Northwestern football program were beyond unacceptable and that the head coach of that program must take on accountability for that. As you've said very well, many times that if you say the buck stops with you, then the buck stops with you. And it is your program and it is your turn to take the responsibility for things that went on that, that, that went too far, obviously. At the same time, I think it's also very easy during these early days when something like this happens to pile on a guy and demonize him to a level that is, is just beyond normal. You know what Pat Fitzgerald has meant to hundreds of football players during his time in Evanston and, and the positive experiences that guys have had going through that program and, and the way that program's profile has risen. That's not to forgive any of this other stuff that went on. It's not to forgive whether Pat Fitzgerald knew and didn't do enough about it or didn't know enough and should have, right? There, there, there's a lot to that. Um, but like I say, it, it, it's okay to feel conflicted. And I think in this day and age, sometimes it's like you better have a hard, strong opinion and you better just cement yourself in and don't allow yourself any wiggle room because you're scared of what people might say if the thing you're saying is a little bit uh, wishy-washy or whatnot. I, look, like the, 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 the stuff that was documented, the things that happened in the locker room are gross, that's the easiest word to put on it. They're gross. They're uncomfortable. They should have never gone on. I think it's easy to separate that from who Pat Fitzgerald has been for a long, long time while still holding him accountable, which he's been held accountable. He lost his job and he will be moving on in his football career. Uh, like I said, you've, you've had a lot to say on it this week. I, I don't know if you've had any response to that. Well, no, I think, I think it's well put in, in what you're, I think what you're saying is that when you, Factor in the fact that he lost his job based on when you're talking about, you know, let's break it down to what happened here. There was a, a player who came forward at the end of last season to spark this investigation anonymously on November 30th. That story ultimately after 50 interviews uh, during the report by an independent law firm, that story was corroborated or stories like that with this sexualized hazing, which crossed the line by 11 current and former players. So what you had was, you know, even if it's a small percentage, even if it's just one person, it's one person too many. When you're talking about the nature of the hazing here, yes. but you had that small percentage of players under the Pat Fitzgerald regime under Pat Fitzgerald, because he was, he is the regime. And you're, you know, you're balancing that against the 800 or so over the last 17 years that went through the Northwestern program 
and viewed it as the greatest opportunity of their lives and would never change a day, an hour, or a minute of what happened to them on that watch, on that same, in that same program. Everybody's going to have a different experience. Corey Wooten joined us on yeah. the Molyneux show on Thursday morning and has very was very respectful of that. Disappointed in his coach, disappointed in his university for the way that they have bungled the process yeah. of firing uh, the head coach. So I think that you're right. I do think there's room for some gray here. That doesn't condone or excuse yeah. anything. That just is human nature. And moving forward, I think that we all start to look ahead. And when we do, in the context of a podcast about a Bears team in the NFL, I had to wonder and ask, is this somebody that you could envision coaching in the National Football League? And I think you're exactly right. The NFL is different, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if this season he sits out. Maybe is it, he could he could serve in a, in a consultant's role. Right. We've seen that happen before. But I, I, I think Pat Fitzgerald's not even a 50-year-old man yet, and I could see him coaching in the National Football League for years to come. There are coaches who, who they don't you know, they're out of a job and, and they're kind of free for the first time in their lives that, that go on and do these consultant roles or stop around and, and jump into different programs or different teams. And they, they find it to be the most fulfilling educational year of their lives, you know, just going through this. And so it'll be interesting to see what Fitz decides to do, um, where his connections are and, and, and what he's able to do during this period. Uh, it'll also be very interesting to see what happens with the, the Northwestern football program, because obviously this is a moment that not anyone really saw coming and boy it's a, a whole new day that they've got to figure out how to 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 restart obviously you mentioned it some clumsiness in the way things have been handled this week to a high level where you're like wow this is amazing that they are um this clumsy with 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 with, with some of the back and forth and the details and the willingness to to just be present you know and, and answer questions and and speak to people that need to be spoken with um we'll see where it heads and my last word on it would be that as we get closer to training camp, and it is different in the NFL, but I, I pretty much can guarantee you that it's still every NFL coach or every NFL support staff, every college football coach and support staff in America, they're going to have one moment. It may, it may be, or one segment, maybe 30 seconds, it may be 10 minutes, but they're going to go over what is and isn't acceptable or in their locker room and and why uh, if they need to remind their players that hazing has no place in any locker room in 2023 any hazing of any sort this is not the good old days the rites of passage of carrying people's shoulder pads or making them sing the fight song that can get carried away very quickly so my sense would be that before training camp begins for teams in the National Football League and in college campuses all across America, they're going to remind the players, okay, enough's enough. This doesn't happen here. Yeah, to that end, I'll be interested to hear if uh, if Ryan and, and Matt have anything to say about that on reporting day, uh, just in terms of whether that it will even be a messaging point as they get camp started, just to, to make sure that everybody kind of knows where it is. I think the, the, the professional sports landscape is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I think there's more, guys are, uh, you know, a, a college freshman uh, doesn't have the same ability to stand up for himself as a, a professional football player who's, who's made his way up the ranks. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's all it's all something that 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 the culture has to be what the culture needs to be. And if you're going to be a, a program like the Bears are that prides itself on that, you'd think that it, you'd at least want to spend a couple minutes just messaging it so that everybody understands what's acceptable and what's not. Good stuff. We'll get out of here so you can make your tea time with two more Bears fans, <laughs> and I can get back to doing uh, Northwestern football updates. Um, so. 
I don't think there's anything else in the we haven't covered. It's, it's been a quiet time. That's ideally what you want in July, but we'll come back in next week and and uh, reconvene and, and figure out what the latest is, and maybe there'll be some news to report. But until then, we don't really have much else to discuss. See, next time I just need to take my recorder out in my golf bag and then just you know do some interviews with Sal and Dan, and then and then bring that audio back here, and then you can react to that audio, well, and we've I got mean, ourselves a show. I mean, you talk about multitasking; that would be the way to do it. Was it Sal and Dan? Sal and or not. Dan. Okay. Sal, Dan, and Dan. Well, tell me this. What's the big difference between Sal and Dan and Potash? I mean, that was last week's replacement. Is there really much difference between those three? It's a good question. Potash is a little more long-winded, but that's okay. So am I. <laughs> so am I. So, so This is the perfect venue for Potash. <laughs> so Potash came back out to, to, to youth baseball this week. We had a tournament in Glenview this past week, so he came out to see my son play. Also ran into Scott Hagel. Uh, who was at the same complex watching his son play, uh, obviously way up the food chain at, at the Bears organization, and Adam Johns' son from the uh, the Athletic was also there. So so Potash had like a full whirlwind of going to watch other kids, uh, other Bears-related wow. people's kids play baseball last weekend. Yeah, well, that's that, Mark Potash is a man of the people. That's right. Else. So that's right. Very good. He's a very considerate guy, and I do appreciate him filling in. Last week, I hear he did a terrific job, and it sounded like you guys had a lot of fun. So that's great. We'll bring him back sometime. You can talk to him, too. All right. We'll bring him back sometime. Anytime. (laughs) He's always welcome. So for Adam Sadzinski, our ace producer, Dan Wiederer covers the Bears for the Chicago Tribune, chicagotribune.com. I'm David Hoff on the Mullion Haw Show on 674. You can download and listen to our podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch us on the 670 Scores YouTube page. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Great talk. See you out there.